0: Well, praise the Lord. Uh, Let's get into the word of God. Uh, Join me in a brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for what you've already begun to do in our hearts and what you shall continue to do. Uh, Glorify your name uh, in our midst today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. we are continuing on the signs of the end of the age. And I've been getting some conversations from people. It's helping some. Maybe, hopefully it's not causing any confusion for anybody. Uh no one has come and and asked for a deeper dive into these things. But those who have come have expressed some appreciation and God's cleared some things up for them and and I trust that that will continue to be the case. I only have a couple of things I want to address in today's message, and uh, uh just for reference sake i'll start in matthew chapter twenty four but we're going to spend a lot of our time in revelation today and uh, I trust that it will be edifying for you matthew twenty four uh verses fifteen to twenty eight Jesus says To his followers. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house, and let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness... Do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. You know, there's a lot being said there, but I had, a discussion with one of our members last the last week's message there's a lot of debate over the issue of the rapture which I addressed last week even within christian circles we have an argument going on whether it's whether we're going to be raptured out before the tribulation whether we're going to be raptured out in the middle of the tribulation or post tribulation you know and i said i'll say today what i said last week you know sometimes we can put the emphasis on the wrong thing or as my old grammar teacher used to say the emphasis on the wrong syllable what is the important thing that Jesus wanted to convey to us through his work uh, through his word what's the important thing that he's coming back for us or whether it's mid, post, or pre-trib. trip right? So let's not get lost in the sauce. The, the, the thing that we can trust God in and, be, and, have, and rest in hope is that he is a promise keeper, and he's promised that he's going to prepare a place for us, and that he's coming back for us, and he's going to receive us unto himself. So why are we having an argument that can get us out of faith? I had a conversation with someone that said, you know, well, it's convenient for us that it's pre-trib, right? Feels like we won't have the fire, that we won't have the discipline. Like, wait a minute. God, God, God tells us to give the truth, preach the truth, walk the truth, live the truth. People are responsible for their own response to the truth. I can tell you the gospel, I don't mean you're going to accept it. Right, but I can't give you a watered-down version of it to help you accept it. I've got to give you the truth. It's your job what you're going to do with the truth. So we've got to stop worrying about how people might react, and, and, and some people might be apathetic and not, might not be disciplined on fire enough, so uh, uh, and let that inform our doctrine. Man is frail. man is faulty. Yeah, we're going to mess things up, but because I mess things up, that should not, that, that should not affect how I interpret scripture. I'm not going to say, I shouldn't say that uh, if, if we preach pre trib that's going to be problematic for the church. That we're not going to have to go through anything. I don't know about y'all, but I've been through some stuff. We don't have to wait for the tribulation to experience tribulation. Tribulation has been in the earth and will continue to be in the earth. Jesus said, in this life, you will have troubles. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. All right? So, so let's let the word speak for itself and, and, and not... and and not dirty it up with our fears or concerns and, and, and the like. What Jesus is talking about here is the time that will precede his coming. It is a time that will follow the rapture of the church, and at that time, we'll read in Revelations, at that time, the Antichrist will be revealed and his prophet, and they will deceive many. And it will make everyone think that he's a peace bringer, that he's a good guy. But he will commit an act in the middle of that time period. He will commit an act that is referred to as the abomination of desolation. And Jesus is talking about that time in the middle of the tribulation period. Halfway through that seven-year period will then happen the abomination of desolation. And when that happens, he's talking to those who are in Israel. Because that's where the abomination of desolation is going to happen, in the rebuilt temple. the holy place of God. And the Antichrist is going to present himself as though he were God in the temple of God. And he's going to so desecrate it that by Jewish law, they will never be able to use that temple again. Because of the abominable desecrations that he is going to commit in that temple. And that will begin a three and a half year period of tribulation that this world has not seen. And I want you to think about that. Think about anyone who knows your history. You don't have to to know all of human history to call to your remembrance some of the most atrocious times the atrocious events that have happened in this world. In America's own history. Histories that include world wars, that include genocides, that include mass murder and the like. What happens after the abomination of desolation will be unlike we have experienced in the history of mankind. And during that time, people are going to be looking for security. It's going to be ripe for false Christ to come up. False prophets and people who give you something to cling to, something that makes you feel better, something that makes you feel less hopeless and more hopeful. And Jesus is telling them, it tell, telling them beforehand. You know what? Let me correct that. He's not just telling them because these people didn't live to see this. You and I may not live to see it this word is going to last forever. Right? So that on whoever, whatever generation in which this occurs, this word is here for them to read and he says, understand. I don't know when Christ is coming back. Jesus says, no man knows the day, nor the hour, which the father has put in his hand, not even him. It'll happen when it happens, but we know that at this time, if you are alive, when this happens when when an individual sits in the temple of God and calls himself God and he desecrates that temple, you know you've got three and a half years left before Jesus comes back, and he is going to lay the smack down on everybody that's not in. And he's going to make things right. You know, we got a clock. Once that happens, there's a clock. You know, you got 42 months before the coming of the Lord. And when he comes, he's not going to be nice. Are you hearing me? But you can imagine during the worst time in human history, people trying to point you to, Christ is over there, He's in the wilderness. He's over here. How tempting it will be because people are going to want answers. People are going to want security. People are going to want a reason to go on. And he says don't. Because he says for as you you, you want the one thing I want to take from this is before I move on to revelations is the second coming of Christ is not going to be an event that someone will have to tell you about. When Christ comes again, he won't be in some remote area. It, it won't be like when he was born in a manger, right? And the angels had to tell the shepherds and, and, and you had the Magi and all of them coming. And then there are reports. People told you about the Messiah having been born. When he comes the next time, it's going to be visible. It's going to be noticeable by everybody. It won't be up to a private interpretation be, because he's coming. When he comes back, the whole world is going to see him being awe. So he's saying beforehand, if someone's telling you, hey, I know a secret the world don't know. He's over here. Don't go over there because it's a lie. It's false. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. We don't have to worry about that. So, uh, you know, people trying to calculate when will God come and when will Christ come, just forget it, stop listening to him. I've been alive only 52 years. And my goodness, I don't know how many times someone has said on a certain date Jesus was coming. It wasn't biblical then, and yet people still believed. If you don't know the word, if you're not studying to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not to be ashamed, but able to rightly divide the word of truth, then you are doing yourself a disservice because you are making yourself subject to deception. This is not a new thing. People have been saying Jesus is going to come, but anyone who knows their Bible would know that it was a lie and would not fall into deception. So I can't encourage you enough for you to be a student of God's word. Not not, not just to get your word during church service on Sunday. Not just during a Bible study on Wednesday. I love it when y'all show up for Wednesdays in the word. I love it when you show up for church and when you're attentive when the word is brought forth. But you know what I would love more? Because I know it is the heart of Jesus for you is that you will get into his word daily yourself. That you would spend time with your God daily, yourself. That you take ownership of your walk with him. Right? Because you're his disciple, not mine. Right? And as a disciple of the Lord, it isn't coming upon us to live life in a manner that pleases him. For us to know what his commands are for us. What his direction for life is for us. And so, that is the demand of God on your life. You know, salvation is free. He paid the price for you. But you've got work to do as a son or daughter of God in him. As his disciple, you've got responsibilities. And as much as it is, it is our honor here as, as, as elders, leaders at this church, uh, Ephesians 4 He's given the fivefold ministry for the, you know, for the edifying and building up for the church, for the work of the ministry, right? And so you've got to have the desire, the appetite to be built up, to be edified, to work the ministry, to walk in maturity in the name of the Lord so that you are able to be the ambassador for him that he's called you to be, right? So that despite these troubling times, you're able to still walk humbly with your God, walk in peace, walk in confidence, walk in faith, because the times may be turbulent, but your faith is on a sure foundation. Are you hearing me? Right? And the more turbulent the times, the more impactful the sure foundation is. Right? And so that's how you're able to be a light in this generation because people will wonder how you're able to walk, how you're able to walk that way, how you're able to be, to be at peace and still have joy and still have faith and hope for tomorrow. How you're able to do that? That's an opening to witness for Christ. If we live for him openly as we're supposed to, it will, it will generate an appetite for people to know how we're able to do it. And all of us know we're not able to do it in our own strength. It's the work of God in us. Right? You're, you're well able to do it in the Lord. So I want you to go to Romans 13. I mean, Revelations 13. I love Romans. But Revelations 13. And I'm, I'm starting off by reading some lengthy passages today but I'm going to try not to spend as much time on each one as I typically do. So, y'all pray for me. <laughs> I don't know how to take that amen, Robert, but I'll, I'll, ta- <laughs> I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, brother. And I'll start at Revelation chapter 13, um, starting at the first verse. Kind of ties into what Jesus was talking about. It says, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it, the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshiped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast and to conquer them, and authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation, and all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name was not, has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was written. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. This just suffice it to say: this here is the rise of the Antichrist. The dragon that gave him his power is Satan. He's referred to as a beast here. And he's letting you know that Antichrist will rise, to, will rise to great power and he'll make war against the saints. And he will deceive many. And he's going to blaspheme God because he wants God's throne. He wants the world to see him as God, although there's only one God. But at some point, the Antichrist will be mortally wounded. But he will be brought back to life. And that will have an impact on people's hearts and minds. He will give, he will praise the dragon who he worships, Satan. And he will encourage people to do the same. And they will will say, because he gave this man life again, this man that we know died, he must be a God worth worth worshiping. I said I won't take too much time on it, but I, I want you to get the gist there. That's just the first so the antichrist is the beast referred to in this passage that i read he he's a satan worshiper and whatever power whatever miraculous works he's able to do he does them in the name of satan and his goal is to get those whom he can to become satan worshipers themselves This won't be something that happens in the quiet of night. This won't be something that happens undercover. This will be bold. This will be, you know, uh, this will be bold and out in the open. I'm emphasizing this because I hear fears regularly about what's going on secretly. Secretly. Is someone trying to slip the mark to us? It's totally unbiblical. It's foolishness. It's not based in biblical truth. That's not how it's gonna happen. We gotta understand the purpose of the mark, and we'll get to that. And, and 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 when we understand it, what the objective of it is, we'll realize how important the public doing of it is, because the mark is going to be a commitment that you're making that you affiliate and worship Satan. And so, that's not something we have to fear about, well, if they're going to give us a shot, will they be injecting the mark into, no, that's just, that's not, that's not how it's going to go down. any anyway, it won't happen until the Antichrist is revealed and the abomination of desolation <laughs> occurs. So, you won't be we will be in the great, tri- we will be in the tribulation time where the Antichrist is revealed before a mark, the mark spoken of in the Bible becomes an issue. So unless we're in that time, and I can tell you that we're not, right, let's not make it an issue today that will distract us away from doing the Father's business. Because that's all it is, is a distraction. Uh, that it's effective against us if we're not rooted and grounded in the truth of God's word. So my challenge is for us to get rooted and grounded. So in addition to the Antichrist, there will come another. Make sense of the one, conquer them, and authority was given to every tribe, given it, the the beast, Over every tribe and people and language and nation and all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name was not, has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slain. That's a long-winded way of saying everybody who does not know the Lord is going to worship the beast. But those whose names are written in the lamb's book of life, there will be believers and they're not taking the mark. right? They, they, they won't be deceivable. They won't be able to be deceived into taking it. You and I won't be deceived into taking the mark. If we take it, it will be a conscious choice. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captive he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword must he be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. And here it goes. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. I got to stop here. This second beast is going to tell people to worship the first beast, who is the Antichrist. Right? So, this second beast refers to the false prophet that's going to be erected. And you might ask, what's the significance of him calling fire down in front of people? Well, if you remember, uh, the prophet Elijah called down fire on the prophets of Baal, and I believe it's in the book of uh, is it Zechariah that talks about when the when the Lord comes back, there will be a prophet like Elijah. And so what this prophet is going to be doing is he's going to bring fire down because he's going to claim, I am that Elijah prophesied who would come before the Lord. And he's going to claim he's the Elijah and he's going to claim that the Antichrist is the Messiah. And he's going to, uh, I'm telling you that there's so many other passages that we can go, but it's pretty much in here. And uh, there are many scriptures that can help uh, solidify this even more. But he has all the same authorities, and he's going to utilize the fact that the Antichrist was dead, was mortally wounded, and brought back. And we know what is the linchpin of our faith, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's going to be some serious stuff and he's somehow the he's going to convince them to erect to make an image of the beast and he's going to somehow make this image able to talk now I don't know if that's going to be technological <laughs> and the prophet back then didn't have any idea what technology was going to be like so he just explained it to the, the It maybe it looks magical to him, but I don't think it's simply a technology thing. I think part of the mystique and part of the deception, he is going to do this in a way that's going to be supernatural. And they're gonna make a demand for people to worship this beast at the cost of their lives you see the antichrist and his false prophet they are going to put themselves in the holy place of God they're going to be in the holy temple of God of God's people in Jerusalem And they're going to make a mockery of it. They're going to commit the abominable desolation that will ultimately bring about their ultimate demise. But they're going to do this and they're going to say, You're going to worship, all of you. I don't care what nationality you are. I don't care what race you are. I don't care how rich or poor you are. I don't care how powerful you are. You're going to worship this beast or you're going to die. Let's read on. Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked On the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man and his number is 666. I'm going to ask Adam to calculate it for me one day. See if he can... Because I may lack wisdom. I don't care about the number. You know, I don't know what it takes to calculate it. All I know is this is not going to be done in the dark. It's not going to be done in secret. This is going to be, you know, the mark. Let's look at the purpose for the mark. They want people to be identified. They, they, They want you to step up and say, I belong to Satan. They're not going to have people close their eyes so nobody's looking and and raise your hand. No, they want you to stand up and identify. And anyone who does not have that mark is an enemy. So, so, So this is blatant. This is open. This is confrontational. This is not something that's going to be done sneakily. They're saying, basically, like, like God said, you've got to decide, choose ye this day whom you will serve. That is what, that's what the Antichrist will be doing in that moment. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. Either serve Satan or die. That's the ultimatum that will be given to everyone. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number. But, you know, this isn't new, this idea of a mark. Revelation 7, verse 2 and 3 say this. You know, Satan doesn't do anything that's not a cheap imitation of what God does. Right? Revelation 7, verses 2 and 3 say, Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and and sea, saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. See, this has already happened in chapter 7. The 144,000 Jewish witnesses sealed by god satan comes in six chapters later and threatens i want you to be sealed with my mark and there's going to come and think about how hard this is going to be this man's going to rule the whole earth the world system That means this ultimatum about taking the mark is going to go on in every country on this earth. And many people will be tortured and killed. But there will be millions upon millions, well, I'll say billions maybe, that will make a different choice. And they will acquiesce and they will take the mark. This is where the rubber meets the road. We're going to, uh, before I say this next part, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead into it with this. Remember, Jesus says that he who comes after me, you know, if you love father, mother, sister, brother, even your own self, you're not worthy of following me right? He doesn't want us to hate our family. What he's saying is, I got to be number one. You got to love me more than your loved ones. You got to love me more than your spouse. You got to love me more than your own life. Because Satan is not playing games. And at some point, your life might be required of you. And in that moment, you stand in the faith and say though you take my life I belong to Christ and I cannot say anything contrary to what is truth that he is the only begotten son of God he is the king of king and lord of lords he is the only begotten of God he is my lord and savior if, 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 if you are going to threaten my life unless I come off of that confession then you got to take my life and for me as a husband, me as a father, I've got to have that same confession, I hope I or you never get to this point but if the one who is making an ultimatum to me has the life of my wife or daughters in his hands and is telling me the only way they can live is if I renounce Christ I can't renounce Christ. Uh, you know, that, that, that that's how committed we've got to be. The Lord, that's how committed he was to us. You remember when he played, prayed in Gethsemane? If there's any other way. I know all things are possible to you, Lord. If there's any other way. Other than me having to take this, drink this cup. He said, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's the level of his, the length and height and breadth and width of his dedication and commitment and love for us. Amen? And so, who knows if any of us will have to make the, pay the ultimate sacrifice. But if it comes to that, my prayer is, is that the grace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds and we'll be able to do what we ought to do. Stand strong in the faith till our last breath. Be like Stephen when he was stoned. He was being stoned to death. Just looked up into heaven and it was ultimately received. Amen? So... There will be many who count the cost and sadly will think that they are doing right by their families by accepting the mark. Because remember, it's go, again, the deaths of the people who refuse the mark are not going to be a private thing. It's going to be used as intimidation. It's going to be done to where to where it's obvious that the enemy is making good on his promise that if you don't take the mark you're going to die and, and those who die will be an example to those who live so when they get that ultimatum it's going to be weighing heavy on them and there will be many that succumb to that and they will be seeing the bull headed among them killed and they'll be seeing the ones who take the mark not killed and they're able to buy and sell and You do commerce and all this other stuff. And it's like, okay, well, this is the way to go. But I wouldn't be, you know, sometimes, oftentimes things are not always the way they appear. And in that moment, there are people who are living to fight another day in the natural, but they have condemned themselves for eternity. But not only that, I just want to read a couple of verses in Revelation 16, verses 1 and 2. So we know that those who refuse the mark, the saints of God that refuse the mark, are going to be martyred. There will be those. Let's see what ultimately ends up happening to those who uh, felt like they did right by their families and everything. Then I heard, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 16 of Revelations, then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. Right? So they in order to avoid the wrath of Satan, they put upon themselves the wrath of God. And so they will not escape. And it would have been better for them to have died rejecting the ultimatum of Satan, right? And and having a chance to receive <laughs> the gospel than it would be to, accept his ultimatum this ultimatum of Satan to avoid his wrath and then and thereby putting yourself under the wrath of God which is going to be an eternal wrath for them so it looked like they escaped but they really doomed themselves it's what I, it's the point I'm trying to make here you know we have situations in life where it looks like people are going skate, skating by getting away with everything, getting away with murder, getting away, you know, they don't have a moral bone in their body and yet it seems like they are living it up. While those of us who are endeavoring to honor God, to live with integrity, to do right by people and so forth, seems as though we're on a treadmill and not able to make any progress forward. Sometimes it seems like the treadmill goes too fast and we end up, face planting right on the treadmill and rolling off the thing. And so, it tempts us to be jealous or to, 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 to covet, to, to be mad about our circumstances. And then that anger turns toward God and how unfair he is. And, and you know what? We need to remind ourselves that our life is but a vapor here. You know, uh, a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day time with God doesn't work on the same scale as it does with us. But regardless of all that, God is faithful. Right? You don't, i tell you what, you don't have to and you shouldn't rely on being rewarded in this earth for the good that you do in the earth. Just know that your God is going to reward you. Y'all are probably tired of hearing me say it, but, 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 but fair, expecting life to be fair is a miserable life. I've told my daughters time and time again, two of them are right there. And they can tell you every time they started talking about what's not fair. My, our, our friends can do this. Why can't we do this? And I tell them, fair, what is it? Fair is a place that comes, it's a, it comes around once a year. It's, it's where they judge pigs and sell fried Twinkies. <laughs> right? Life is not going to be fair. But whether life is fair or not, we serve a just God. God is just and God is good. Right? And I can't always give an answer for why we have to go through the things that we go through. but But we know that Whatever it is, God can work it for our good. We know it's not too, despite how it feels, it's not too much for us to handle because he said he wouldn't put more on us than we could bear. Right? So if we're bearing it, we can handle it in Jesus' name. (laughs) Right? So so our, our objective is to get ourselves out of feelings and into truth. Okay, God... Your word says let God be true and everyone else a liar. My feelings are screaming this right now. Well, then let your feelings be a liar and bring your feelings into alignment with God's truth. You know, God, I'm in this. I I, I don't want to be in it. I'm here, but I know I can bear it because you said you wouldn't put more on me than I can bear. And I know I'm not here alone because you said you'll never leave me nor forsake me. So I know you're walking with me in this. I'm not in, you haven't abandoned me. Are you hearing that? And I can encourage myself that I may be walking in the valley of the shadow of death, but Lord, I will not fear walking in the valley of the shadow of death because I know that you're with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And if your rod and your staff is here, then that means the holder of the rod and the staff is here, which means you're here in the valley of the shadow of death with me. And even though we're here, your ability to provide for me, your, your, your ability, ability to make a way for me, is not prevented because it also says in there, you lay a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Right? So in the valley of shadow of death, his enemies are there. They're probably surrounding him. And God is there with him, and he's laying a table before him. Whatever you need, I got you. And something that's not talked about often enough is that there is an end to the valley of death. Your shepherd with the rod and the staff is going to lead you through that valley. And there is sunshine on the other end. And what once tested you will become a testimony of yours. Amen? And So let's not be slaves to how things seem or how unfair things are let let's not get our keep our eyes on the circumstances let's take our circumstances to the throne of God and keep our eyes on him and if we'll do that right our perspective you know has we remain we're able to have a kingdom perspective and we can draw strength from him and direction from him on, on how we can navigate our way through whatever the trial is. I hope that's encouraging you today. So, it's, it's not going to be any different in our ability to rely and trust on him and his faithfulness in the tribulation time as it is today. That's, that's not just something that's needed for the tribulation time, it's also needed today. He's available to you today. He's working in your life today. He's got a call and purpose and plan for you today. Uh, uh, revelations 14 verses 9 to 11. Uh, we're drawing to a, to a close here. Uh, and another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day or night, these worshipers of the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name you know i I can only tell you what i see when i read this and uh i'll let you i'll tell you to go before god and let him speak to you on this but again the enemy is using intimidation take some lives be open about it intimidate some people into accepting the mark of the beast well the angel is bottom lining hey there's consequences on both sides here And he's making a proclamation that I believe people are going to be able to hear. He's saying with a loud voice. That means that people on earth who are weighing their options, who haven't taken the mark yet. And they're having to weigh the option of take the mark or die. The angel is giving them the other side of that coin. If you worship the beast and his image and receive that mark, you will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger. And you will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of God. And that smoke, that consequence, is going to be forever. And you will have no rest day or night from that. You know, and to me, that's not just an ultimatum out of his great love, out of his great mercy, he's he's basically telling them what Satan won't. Because he wants them to be with him. Not to be condemned for eternity. Uh, Revelations uh, 19, we're not going to stay dark the whole time. Revelations 19, I'll start at the 19th verse. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. So Satan gathers his army to come up against Christ and his army. And the beast was captured. And with it, the false prophet who in his presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast. And those who worship this image. So you got the antichrist and the false prophet. These two were thrown alive. Into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And the rest were slain by the sword. That came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds were gorged with their flesh. Now what this. Why, do, why, do, why is that important? Because. This is the victory over. Jesus comes with his forces. He meets this Antichrist and his prophet. He Captures them and defeats them and casts them into the lake of fire. Revelation 20 verse 4 says, Then I saw thrones. And seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Hallelujah we shall reign with Christ. Amen? If we endure in the faith, if we do not give way to deception, false doctrines and and the like, if we endure in the face of threats to our life and peace and well-being, there's coming a day for he's coming back for us. And when he comes, he's going to take us unto himself. And when he reigns, we'll be there reigning with him. Amen. Amen. The reward of the Lord is true. And My prayer for us, I don't know when the tribulation will start. I don't think we need to be worrying our little heads about that. It'll start when it starts. Uh, I believe Jesus when he says the Father is not it's, it's not for us to know dates and times, things that are in God's hands. If God wanted us to know that, he'd have told us. He told us what he wanted us to focus on, right? And there is a, uh, a scripture that uh, in Romans 11 that Paul says that Christ will come, you know, that time will come when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Those who will come in has come in and God knows. And so if we, there, it also says, says something to the effect of let's hasten his coming, right? He's not coming to the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Let's hasten it. Well, we can hasten his coming whenever that time is by being focused on doing everything we can to bring up the fullness, of, to bring the fullness of the Gentiles in. Right? That's what he told us to do. Go make disciples. Right? And a number that we can't know, once that number is reached, God knows that will set in motion the events that will lead to his return. So let's just focus on what is knowable. Focus on what's been spoken in God's word. Focus on the instruction that we know that he's given us and not fall prey to the temptation of trying to discover secrets that he already told us are unknowable. And whether you're pre or post-trib, regardless of what we think, eventually the truth of the matter will prove out. But whenever he comes, whichever one of us proves to be right, and we're, we can tell each other, I told you so, when we're in glory with the Lord, if we'll, if we'll even care. All right? The, 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 the thing that we need to make sure that we're doing is that we're about the Father's business. We're being, we're, we are the servant that when his master came, found him doing. taking care of the master's affairs, doing the master's work, not like the servant who, who slacked at his work because he didn't know if and when the master would return. And um, I would ask you all to please stand. So you don't have to worry about anybody slipping you a mark or anything like that. It's that's not uh God, God's not going to let that happen. And that wouldn't satisfy the devil anyway because the devil has always been in open rebellion against God. And the ultimate Revenge or the ultimate offense is what he intends to inflict upon God. He's not satisfied he's not only satisfied tricking people into accepting anything. No. That mark he wants you to choose it instead of God. He wants you to choose it for fear of your life. Choose it for fear of the life of the ones you love. Choose it for fear of being broke. He wants you to lower the standard to our carnal needs and carnal desires and so forth and make a decision based on that. When really... We're making an eternal decision. Not only do I reject you, God, not only did I reject Christ, I embrace the one who betrayed you. I embrace Satan. I would encourage you to go before God and invite God to convict you if necessary. There's anything that is of great value to you that Satan might be able to use to get you to compromise the truth of God's word, to get you to compromise your relationship with God in any way. And and, 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 and lay that down. Give it to God and say, God, as you show it to me, grant me the grace to die to it. Because I don't want to love anyone or anything more than I love you. And should the day occur where my life is required of me because of my faith in Christ, then let me stand strong and declare my faith in you as my life is being taken away. For I remember your word, Lord. Fear not those who can kill the body, but instead fear the one who has the power after killing the body. (laughs) Condemn your soul in hell. So Lord, I just pray for your people today, Lord. I mostly talked about a time that has yet to happen and yet that time that is yet to happen bad doctrine and rumors and opinions have caused that time that has yet to happen to impose itself into the here and now and it's got some of your beloved daughters and sons father God confused unsettled worried, anxious and father you've not given us a spirit of fear but of power of love of a sound mind the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us and that spirit, the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth So we have the ability to know the truth that the truth might make us free from the worries and fears and anxieties and doubts and confusion that are plaguing the world. Lord, I pray that your truth is revealed to us. I pray, Lord, that we will not allow ourselves to be bogged down by these anxieties and fears and worries and whatnot, but Lord, that we'll turn to you. The word made flesh. Holy Spirit, guide us to the truth. And when you guide us to the truth, we will yield to the truth. When you guide us to the truth, we will bend to it instead of trying to bend it to our will. Because we don't want to be deceived and we should not. Make us the light of the world That you called us to be, oh God. Move on our hearts to do our part in order for us to be that. Because there are people out there that are easy marks for the devil. They are perishing. They are suffering. They are being deceived. They are going to hell unless we get about our father's business there is a tribulation coming depending on when it comes some of them alive today may be alive when it happens I don't know what generation it's going to happen in but I know it's going to happen Lord still work in us that we might do our part to hasten your return. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I I